1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, on the night he was betrayed. Have you ever, have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever felt like your heart was broken? Like someone who was supposed to be there for you bailed, betrayed you, walked away. You see, Jesus understands betrayal. He understands what it's like to have someone in his life that he regarded as a friend sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, fives, five weeks of wages. The betrayer, a man named Judas, man, he watched Jesus feed the 5,000. He helped collect the basketfuls of bread when it was done. The betrayer, Judas, and he saw Jesus walk on water. He saw him heal the blind and raise Lazarus from the dead. And when Jesus ate his last meal, Judas ate the bread of communion too. Judas sat at the table with the Christ followers, with Jesus' closest friends, and yet he betrayed him. And I wonder, students, I wonder what is our price? You see, Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, five weeks wages. What's our price? For what do we sell Jesus out? Because almost without exception, if we were brutally honest, we would admit that we all have betrayed him. What do we sell Jesus out for? Is it for popularity? Is it for a spot on the team? Do we sell Jesus out for a boyfriend or a girlfriend? For a few more likes on Instagram? For more Fortnite time? Each one of us has a price. And the question today is, what is your price? For what? Have you, in a moment of true honesty, for what have you sold him? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 continues, it says, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Jesus knew this was the last time he'd gather on earth with his 12 followers. He knew it. And he took the bread and he knew when he took it and he gave thanks for it, he knew what he was about to endure. He knew how the next days would unfold and yet the word says that he gave thanks for it. And I wonder today if we can be thankful in the midst of pain. Do we have the ability to thank God, to bless the Lord when things aren't going right? Do we have the ability to praise him when there's ache, when there's brokenness in our heart? Are we able to say, thank you, Lord, even though our parents are still fighting years after the divorce? Are we able to say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness, even though those kids at school, they make fun of me, but thank you, Lord, for your goodness to me. 
Are we able to say thank you, Lord, for your tender mercies, even though some nights I feel desperately alone? Are we able to say thank you, Lord, for your kindness, even though grandma is sick still and not getting better? Are we able to say thank you, Lord, for your help, even when our friends are mad at us? Can we thank God when life is a mess? Even when things aren't going according to plan, can we thank God in the midst of the betrayal? Jesus is holding the bread at the table with the one who would sell him out. But he can stop and he can thank God in the midst of the breaking. Friends, there's so much that we have in our lives that we can be thankful for. Things don't have to be perfect to be thankful. I'm thankful for my family even though there's fighting. I'm thankful for my education even though it's not always fair at school. I'm thankful for the blessings even though there's some things I still need or even some things I still want. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my little sister and my little brothers even though they drive me crazy. Like, can we be thankful when things are imperfect? Because there's always a reason that things aren't perfect. So here's Jesus at the table with the betrayer holding the bread that represents his body and he says, thanks to God. And I wonder if right now in this moment we can take just a moment and we can thank God in the privacy of our hearts. Can you thank God right now for stuff even when it's not perfect? Let's literally do that. Just take a moment. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your goodness and your kindness. Students in your own heart, thank him. Even when it's not perfect, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The verse continues, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to notice here that Jesus took the bread and Jesus broke the bread. And I think this is so important because no one grabbed it out of his hands. No one reached across the table and was like, I'll take that and ripped the bread from his hands. No, Jesus willingly took the bread and broke it. Just like he willingly took his own life and laid it out for us. He did it on purpose. He didn't have to. He chose to. He gave his body to be broken. It wasn't taken for, from him. He laid it out for us. And he won't grab your life from your hands either, young people. He doesn't force you. He will only take as much as you willingly lay down at his feet. And he asks you this question today. He asks you this question. He says, how much, how much of you are you really willing to give me access to? How much of you are you really willing to lay down? How much? You see, Jesus gave. What will we give? 
We don't give to earn first chair. We don't give to deserve first chair. We give to overcome anything that might try to unseat us from that first chair. Jesus gave, what will you give? Because sometimes if we're honest, we recognize that, that there's this area of our life or this area of our heart where Jesus can't have access to. There's conversations we have we'd rather he not overhear. And there's things that we do that we hope desperately that somehow he just doesn't see. Of course, we come to conference and we know the right things to say. We know what we're supposed to say. We know we're supposed to sing the song, you can have it all, Lord. We know the lyrics to the song and we know it's supposed to be the song of our heart, but in the moments, sometimes it's so hard. Do the choices that we make every day line up with the songs that we sing? You can have it all, Lord. But what if they wrote a worship song about how we really live our life? Like what if there was a composer that kind of followed us around and, 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 he, and he looked at the choices we made every day and then he wrote a song for us all to sing. I wonder if it would sound like, you can have it all, Lord, every part of my world. Take my life and breathe on, accept my Snapchat time. There is no greater call than giving you my all. I lay it all down. I lay it all down. Except my iPhone. I can't get it out of my head. Like what would the song really look like if it was written about how we authentically lived our life? Because Jesus asks for it all but he doesn't ask for something he didn't do first. First, he laid it all down for us. And then he says, what will you lay down? And as Jesus is going through this meal with his closest followers, he's like foreshadowing. He's predicting how these things will unfold. He's predicting that Judas is gonna get up from the table in just a minute and he's gonna slip out into the darkness of night. He knows that Judas is gonna go find the leaders and he's gonna to offer to sell them out for those 30 pieces of silver. He knows that Judas is gonna reveal his location so that these people can arrest him. And he knew in the next few hours that the soldiers would come. And they would come looking for him and he'd be found in a garden on his knees praying, not for himself, but for us. He knew it. Yet he still shared the bread with Judas. He knew that they would arrest him. He knew that they would chain him up. They knew that they would lead him away. That they would, they would sneak him off to a trial that would be held in the dead of night. Contrary to anything legal, that they would hire witnesses to falsely accuse him and lie about him in open court. They, he knew that finally they would agree to, to usher him to the leader of the Roman Empire in that area, Pilate. And that Pilate would find no evidence of Jesus' wrongdoing. They knew that Pilate, he knew that Pilate would offer the crowd a chance to set Jesus free. 
crowd chanted, crucify him, crucify him. What do you chance about Jesus when you're hidden in the crowd? Do you separate yourself from him to hide amongst the numbers at school? Because the truth is silence about Jesus in a crowd who despises him is not enough. Now Jesus, he doesn't need our rescuing, but he does deserve our loyalty. He doesn't need us to protect him, but he laid his life down for us. And he wants our loyalty in exchange for that. He gave himself for our benefit. And if in 4640 and around our Christian friends, we can sing and celebrate and lift him up and talk about his goodness, but then everywhere else we're silent. Is that loyalty? Are we loyal to Jesus? Or is he just a friend when it's convenient? Jesus is sentenced to death by crucifixion. He's forced to carry the instrument of his own torture through the city from the palace to the place where they kill people. And he takes his cross down the winding, dirty streets of Jerusalem. And he carries it amongst onlookers and mockers. People spit and people kick dust and dirt in his face. And these are the very people that ate the bread that he fed the 5,000. These are the very people that laid the palms on the ground as he walked through the crowds just days before and shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, these are us in their day. These are the people that brought their children to Jesus to bless. And they don't recognize him because he's beaten and because he's bloody and they assume that he must be guilty of something so instead of coming to him with loyalty they join the crowd they don't realize what the prophet isaiah said in isaiah 53 yet it was our weakness he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down we thought his troubles were a punishment from god a punishment for his own sins but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And so Jesus is led to the place the Romans call Skull Hill, the place they commonly execute criminals. And they took the cross that Jesus had lugged up the hill and they threw him down upon it. And then they took the spike and they placed it on his hands and they began to pound that spike through his hands and through his feet. Now Jesus in that moment could have rescued himself. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he said, no, I am laying it all down. It's not just a song that I sing. It's not just a convenient thing I did once at youth conference when I was, I'm laying it down. And so Jesus willingly submitted himself unto death. And they strung him up for all to see. There he hung in agony. And he breathed 
his very last. And all of this, all of this Jesus knew days before when he sat at the table and he took the bread. And he said, thanks to God. And he broke the bread and he passed it, not just to the loyal, but also to the betrayer. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Students, I invite you to take the piece of your bread. Jesus, we're so grateful that you did it for the loyal and the betrayer alike. Because we're all a whole lot more betrayer than we are wanting to admit sometimes. We thank you that you invite us in our imperfection to your communion table, that you accept and receive us, that you don't hold us harshly and treat us as our sins deserve, but you invite us to come and eat, even though we may let you down again. That's how great your love for us is. And we thank you for your body, which is represented by this bread. We thank you for what it means, and we thank you for what it costs you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat of the bread together. First Corinthians 11 continues and it says, In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. The old covenant, friends, was you had to act right. You had to be perfect. You had to get all your stuff in order to make up for your sins. And the new covenant was an agreement confirmed in my blood, Jesus said, meaning he paid the price and we, for no reason other than his love, received the grace. Confirmed with my blood, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus knew that without his body being broken and without his blood being shed, that you and I, thousands of years later, could never fully come into his presence. Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So Jesus spilled his blood on the earth he formed. Jesus commanded the earth into existence from his mouth. And he breathed his breath into humanity. And then he allowed that very humanity, that very creation to spill his own blood upon the earth. It's the most profound truth there is in the universe. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever, whoever, black, white, young, old, rich, poor, cool, popular, average Joe, bottom of the food chain, whosoever, believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life 
So Jesus spilled his blood for us. Not because he had to, because he chose to, because he wanted to. Let's take of the grape together. Before he carried the cross up Skull Hill, something else happened that we often overlook. You see, Jesus took a second punishment before the execution. When he was brought to the Roman leader, Pilate, and Pilate asked the crowd, what should we do with them? And they all shouted, crucify, crucify. Pilate tried to pacify him a little bit, get him distracted. And so he said, you know, instead of crucifying this guy, how about I take him into the courtyard and I just have him flogged, just have him whipped and beaten. And a lot of times, that, you know, I'll straighten a guy out, right? So Pilate tries this idea and he sends Jesus to be flogged. And the weapon used in a flogging in this day by the Roman Empire is called a cat of nine tails. And what it is, is it's strips of leather, many strips of leather. And woven into the strips of leather are pieces of sharpened rock or sharpened metal. And they're all irregularly shaped. And so it's not just be, like being whipped with one whip, like a bull whip, it's like being whipped with many whips, nine to be exact, at the same time, with the sharpened pieces inside. And so the idea was that Pilate thought, if I send this man, I don't really find him guilty, but if I send this man to be whipped, maybe the people won't say crucify, crucify, and I can like let him go, because he didn't do anything. And so he sent him to be whipped, and Jesus was whipped. 39 times with a cat of nine tails. And the reason he was whipped, Pilate thought was to let him off the hook. The Jewish leaders thought was to get him in more trouble. But the reason Jesus allowed it is Jesus knew something that no one else was thinking of, which was that he was purchasing for us with this beating an additional blessing because it says by his stripes we are healed jesus was saying whoa 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 you guys think you're just trying to get me off the hook or you guys think you're trying to get me in more trouble i don't know what your motive is but if i stand here and take this lashing i'm purchasing for my people healing and so I want to show you guys that in the text. It says in Isaiah 53, and I read it earlier, but he was, he was pierced for our rebellion. Pierced, right? He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins, but he was beaten so we could be whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. The fact that Jesus endured two separate punishments wasn't an accident, it wasn't a coincidence, it wasn't an oversight, it was because he was trying to give us two separate gifts. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation with the cross, and the gift of wholeness and healing with the whip. Two separate gifts. First Peter says this, it says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we 
can be dead to sin and alive for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus made sure to endure the whooping before the crucifixion so that he could pay the cost for our healing. And he can heal all of our diseases. In Jewish tradition, there was 39 categories of sickness. 39, I don't know why. But they grouped them all up together into 39 categories and that's how many whippings Jesus took. At the altar of communion, Jesus purchased your healing so that you could be healed, so that you could be whole. I've told you guys, for those of you who've been around this year, that um, in January of this year, my dad died. And my dad's my hero. And it's been like the hardest year ever. Trying to, you know, deal with that news, that phone call that he had died. Getting back to Wisconsin where my parents and brothers live and near the pastor, people expect you to know what to do, right? So there I am, standing over my own dad's ashes, performing the funeral. And you know, it's nine months ago and certain parts have gotten easier. Certain parts of my heart are still broken. And certain parts of my heart don't feel whole. And so I bring it to God. I talk to Jesus about it all the time say, I miss my dad. can't believe he's gone. And every time it gets hard dealing with my mom and helping her figure out how to pay the bills, I go to God. God, my dad's still dead. I'm still hurting. My family's still broken. It's, it's not whole. And nine months go by and it gets a little easier. And it goes right back. So yesterday in this room, standing here and we're worshiping and sweet worship, right? Such a beautiful presence of God. And all of a sudden, Jesus says to me, this is the room. This is the place. This, where I was, this is the spot. And he shows me a picture in my mind's eye. And I don't know if you... I don't know if you know that room. But this room is this room. It's right there. It's those doors. It was this aisle. He walked me down. And this spot 
This is where the altar used to come. And that's the spot my dad gave me away to my husband, and that's the spot I was standing in last night. And Jesus says to me, he said, I want to heal that spot again. Not the spot in the room, the spot in your heart. Because it's like an onion, right? And there's layers to a broken heart. There's layers to the hurt. There's layers to the grief. There's layers to the rejection. There's layers to all the wounds represented in this room. And so, I mean, you got no choice, right? Just buckled to my knees, cried some ugly cries. A bunch of you are there and you were kind enough to pray for me while that was happening. And it's just the wave of the healing of God. And students, that's what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Yes, he was pierced for our forgiveness so that we could have salvation, but he was whipped so that we could be healed. And that healing takes all different kinds of forms. And so ask yourself tonight, what kind of healing do I need? Do I need healing in my body? Do I need healing in my heart? Do I need healing in my mind? Do I need healing from a memory, from a moment, from a regret? Do I need healing because of how I see my own body? Do I need healing because of how I see my relationship with my dad? Do I need healing about how I believe in myself? Do I need healing from fear or anxiety or from panic? Because Jesus took it all. He took it all when he purchased our healing. Do you need healing from an addiction? Do you need healing from ADHD? Do you need healing in your eyes? Do you need healing from a betrayal? Because whatever it is that you need healing from, Jesus can heal. I believe that he wants to heal that. And if we don't let him, guys, like there was a moment where I'm standing right here last night and I'm like, I don't want to ugly cry. I don't, I don't want to ugly cry in front of all my students. That would be embarrassing. That would be awkward. What am I going to say? I'm the pastor. I'm in charge. And I'm a puddle on the floor. And I know there's that temptation, like I don't wanna, I don't wanna share it, I don't wanna open it up, I don't wanna start the tears, I don't wanna go there to that memory, to that place, I don't wanna admit that hurt or that heartache and how deep it really goes, because I don't know what'll happen if that ugly starts to come out. Well, I'll tell you what's gonna happen, you're gonna get healed. And it's worth it every time. And friends, if we don't let Jesus heal that hurt within us, we'll bleed on someone who didn't cut us. And so there has to be a moment where we say, I don't care what other people think. I don't care what it looks like. I need me some Jesus to heal this layer 
of my heart. And I promise you this, I promise you this, whatever is wrong with you is not bigger than what is right with Jesus. Whatever is broken inside of you is not bigger than what's healed and whole inside of Jesus. He is greater and he can and he does heal. So right now in this place, I invite you all to stand quietly to your feet. Stand quietly to your feet right where you're at. Now I want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. No one looking around. Where is that spot? Where is that place inside of you right now that needs his healing touch? What is it that's broken inside of you that you need Jesus? to touch right now because we all have the spot and there's no more sense pretending thanks for listening to the 4640 student center podcast for more information on what's happening in 4640 you can check us out on social media and at our website 4640gj.com service times are tuesday and wednesday nights hope to see you there